Very cool interview today. I have Stephen Flood. He is CEO of Goldcore. We talk about the investment rationale for gold. He's based in Dublin, Ireland. So we talk about what is going on in the UK and Prime Minister Truss. We talk about gold and its rationale. And of course, we also talk about crypto. Links to, if you want to find out more about Goldcore or Stephen, go to the links below the pod. Be sure to click on them. And don't forget, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you digest podcasts. Hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. Welcome to Jay's Corner. My name is Jay O. I am a certified financial planner. I'm also the author of Maximize Your Medicare the published book. Jay's Corner is there to try to explain how certain financial matters work, to try to help you separate the signal from the noise, so that when something changes, you're not distracted wrongly, and instead, keep your eyes on the ball, which is tough to do given the way that we are given information. There's a free and paid newsletter. Go to jo.substack.com. There are two YouTube channels, Jay's Corner, as well as Maximize Your Medicare. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you digest your podcast. Be sure to leave your comments. Let's begin. Welcome to Jay's Corner. Today, we've got a special guest. Usually, I'm the one being interviewed. Today, I get to interview. We've got Stephen Flood out of Dublin, Ireland. He is the CEO of Goldcore. Stephen, welcome to Jay's Corner. It's great to be here, Jay. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, most of our audience, as, as most of the press, you know, dominated by American companies and countries and countries. Well, the fact is that I'm, as an American, we're dominated by American-centric news. So now we've got you, who are obviously in Europe. Can I ask you, what in the world is Prime Minister Trust doing? Well, in my view, she's kind of making it up as she goes along. Uh, she got very excitable about the prospects of being in power. She probably didn't expect for that to happen to her. So she has... Uh, so, so when she was campaigning against Rishi, Rishi Sunak, uh, I think uh, the, the, the snippets I heard of her, she basically promised everything to everybody. Uh, so everybody gets sweets, everybody gets everything they want. And she never was challenged in terms of how she was going to deliver it. Um, uh, it reminded me of Al Gore losing uh, the, 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 the first general election when he started talking about the uh, Social Security lockbox. And right. how he was—he he got caught up in the maths of what he was talking about. And Bush too uh, would just say, "Hey, I'm not going to talk about any fuzzy math. I'm going to talk about you know that hardworking blue-collar man out there and that woman. And I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to fight for you." And that message went right past all the math and all the boring detail. But the boring detail matters as the markets showed the UK government. So I think she promised everything, had no plan to deliver anything. Uh, is sitting there in the hot seat now and has been found out hugely and has lost a massive amount of credibility, which is very sad for the uh, the, the good people of the UK, the hardworking people of the UK, uh, because they've had, I think it's four prime ministers in six years, uh, which is un, un incredibly uh, destabilizing and um, I think goes to the heart of it. But my, my own belief on this particular point is this is not unique to the UK. This is a global right. phenomenon. Yeah. It's born of free money 
where yeah. you don't have the the reckoning that comes with a set of accounts. You know, you have to balance your books. And if you can't balance, then you have to have a very, very robust argument to say exactly why you can live with a deficit for, for X amount of time and what you're going to do about it. So ultimately, the debt markets work as this kind of balancing mechanism. But when you have a bad actor, such as central banks and treasury departments coming in and, 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 and uh, buying up bonds in order to maintain a narrative that is politically ne necessary, you deny the market, you deny the people the right to pass judgment on policy. And so therefore, you get a very, very poor quality leader, poor quality administrations uh, in power for extended period of periods of time. And to me, that is an absolute tragedy because we know where this goes. We've, we see history. We know what happens when you have money printers in charge. And ultimately, it turns into despotism. It turns into inefficiency. It turns into corruption. And, uh, and we all lose. And you know, eventually, and I hate to say it, people die. You know, this is what happens is it's real. Let's say that you and I aren't going to fix the world, you know, in, in, the, in our conversation today. Let's pretend that that's going to be the case. So that yeah. does, does dovetail well with what you do, your role, your company, Goldcore. Why don't you tell us, tell the people, our audience, what it's about, your size, and the services you offer? Um, well, our purpose is to be the best company to, uh, for people to go to to buy precious metals and to store precious metals as safely as possible. Very important, the idea of storing it. So we allow our clients to open up accounts very, very quickly, about three minutes, believe it or not. Our technology is wow. quite advanced. And they document themselves. They can open up their account. They can then fund their account, and then they can purchase precious metals. And all the way through that process, we make it as easy as possible and as safe as possible. Uh, we allow people to store metal in, I think it's 11 vaults around the world. The metal is stored on a segregated, allocated basis, which means it goes on a shelf. It, you have an account number on it. It's your account number for that particular bar. Nobody else's metal is mixed up with yours. It's not on our balance sheet at all. It's only your, your metal. Um, we don't own it. Uh, so, uh, and it's there in a safe jurisdiction, uh, and you decide which is the safest jurisdiction. You can have one or many, uh, you can have it stored in, uh, Utah in, in the North America or Toronto or New York, or all the way in Zurich, where our biggest vaults are located, where most of the, the assets are. Uh, we also have Dublin, Ireland, and the UK. So all around the world, clients basically have a favorite or they spread it around. We've been in business for 18 years. Uh, we just do physical metal. That's what we specialize in. We work with all the big refineries, all the big mints, uh, and we're very, very well respected. We're most proud of our record with our customers. We have a 4.9 out of 5 stars over 12 years uh, of, of ratings. Uh, and all those ratings are public and they're on our website and we don't get to control them. They're, that they're raw. They're exactly what our clients say. And uh, we're really, really proud of the actual relationship we have with our clients. We're a massive advocates for honesty, integrity, and um, amazing service. And I'm not just saying that. The team here are exceptional. We see a lot of advertisements, banners on the web and internet and thing, things like that about gold. Why don't we, for our audience who are newcomers or don't you know, specifically know the rationale for gold and its place in someone's personal savings portfolio, retirement portfolio, investment portfolio. What role in your mind do precious metals play? 
Well, I, I love that old Wall Street adage, and I think it says it better than anything. I love simple statements. Put 10% of your money into gold and hope it does not work. Okay, <laughs> so if you have 10% in there and it goes down in value, everything else you own is going up, and that's a good day. That's great. So I hope you buy gold and I hope you lose money and I hope it goes down in value. And I, and, and I think if you understand that and you become a customer, uh, I think we have a great relationship because you know why, what it does. You know its purpose in a portfolio. It's not about making a return, even though I expect it to make great returns in the future, but not for the reasons other investments do. Um, right. And right. I think what it does is it gives kind of financial sovereignty to the individual over the system. And I think the system is very much rigged in favor of large corporates. We have significant amount of monopolies in operation right now. The uh, financial system, the banks, the regulators are absolutely captured by special interests. Um, and I think we have a significant amount of inequality uh, in our system over many, many years, over decades now. Uh, the poor are getting poorer on a relative basis. And I think the rich are getting even richer. Uh, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's going to end in, in tears. So I think when you own gold, its purpose is to bring stability to a portfolio, to give sovereignty to the individual, uh, to have something that cannot be printed. And that's something that's physical and tangible. And I don't think any other asset uh, comes anywhere close to having the properties that gold and, and to a lesser extent silver bring for an investor. We've got like you've your statements there just opened up, you know, hours of conversation, hours, literally. Sorry. But let's just focus on what you said at the beginning, which is the role and the fact that you know, you're happy when the other person understands the actual function, meaning that you're happy when people don't make money in gold, but out of that 10%, because it's told you that it's been stable, allowing other parts, meaning the function. Do you think that that's well communicated by yourselves that, you know, everyone's chasing glamour and glory, right? Meaning, you know, it doubled, it tripled, it quadrupled. I bought Amazon at a dollar a share. But gold and its role in a portfolio, very, very different in that sense. Um, can you speak a little bit more to that? Meaning that how do you go and work with a client? to try to explain them, to educate them? Or do you think that they're already educated by the time they approach you? No, not at all. No, no. Most people are, um, yeah, it's it's a fascinating question. And I'd like to say all of our clients are, are very much on board at what I said. Um, they're not. Many of them would be chasing a kind of a contingent uh, valuation, whereas they think a number of things are going to happen in the world, and then this is going to be a winner. Um, some of them have it as part of a portfolio. Some of them have more than they should in it. Uh, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see them look at assets, uh, productive assets, uh, more constructively and see it as, 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 a, as a good kind of bedfellow. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the case. Human beings are, um, are can be quite li linear and um, they can be that's quite, for sure. um, yeah, insecure. And But also they follow too closely some people and they, their followers, they might just decide to follow a smart person in their group and their social network uh, or somebody on the golf course says something and that's, that's all they need to know before they jump in with two feet. And they don't realize that, you know, wealth comes from, you know, really having a, having a kind of a discipline to money and to investments and looking at kind of cash flows and looking at how to protect cash flows and how to, you know, distribute cash flows. Uh, so looking at tax, looking at pension, looking at distributed, uh, um, you know, proper proper portfolios, 
uh, that take on account their view of risk for where they are in life. And I know it sounds really boring, but that's actually how you, you play the averages over time. Um, and so we think gold fits perfectly inside there. But then on the other side of the coin, investment professionals, you're a CFP, um, I'd say 95% of investment professionals have no idea what gold is or right. what it does or what, what, what uh, purpose it serves. And mainly that's because it doesn't pay, it doesn't pay exorbitant um, uh, um, commissions to the, to the industry. It's boring. It doesn't have cash flows. It doesn't actually do anything. It right. sits there in an aminate way and it just costs money to store. Like Buffett said, you know, why would I buy something that just costs money? You might as well put a big dig a hole and, and, and uh, bury it. So I think all of them miss the, the purpose of gold, which is it's actually, it's actually money. It is money. It's a unit of account. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's, that's what it is. That's its purpose in a portfolio. And, uh, and you need to focus on your education. Number one, before you put a penny to gold, is educate yourself, uh, pay, spend money on education, and, uh, and then build a portfolio of, of cash flows, and then add gold as a protective layer, a foundational asset. Like you build your house, you put proper foundations in place. That's what gold is. Five, 10, 20% uh, is not unheard of. And, and I would argue today, in this world, 20% is probably, you know, as a starting point in some ways. Uh, and I hate to say that because it's there to protect the other 80. The It's so interesting because, and full disclosure here, Stephen, so yeah. to our, the audience, we didn't have a script. I didn't tell you what questions. And the funny thing is, is that the viewers, the followers, subscribers to Jay's Corner have seen me tell basically your message with exact with almost crazy amounts of similarities meaning not one individual line item in isolation but across a number of different matters you know like you said measuring cash flows tax tax efficiency storage etc depending on the individual function so fascinating and you know i'm glad <laughs> we're, we're separated by an ocean but we have that in yeah. common for sure we're like Let brothers from you- a different mother <laughs> right. <laughs> Let me ask um, about the fact you mentioned the fact that you are storing precious metals uh, physically. So it's not only gold, though, right? It's silver as well. Is that right? Yeah, silver, platinum, palladium. But but like 90% of what we do is gold and silver. We'll talk about uh, I, I will have some questions about silver later, uh, time allowing. But let's talk about the the fact that you are physically storing. So can this gold actually be delivered to my house? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say maybe 40% of the time we're actually delivering gold to people's uh, places of work or their um, their addresses. Uh, about 60% of the time it's placed in vaulted storage. Uh, we deal with uh, our minimum is about $5,000. So we don't do single coins and single small bars. Um, um, and we we try to get the clients into the lowest premium product we can, which is important, and uh, uh, because we want them to have as much value as possible, we want them to be a client for life, and we'd like them, if possible, to advocate for us amongst their network of friends and family, which happens more than than you can imagine. That's how we get most of our clients, um, and so yeah, so it's 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 delivered or it's stored in, in vaults. If if your rationale holds. From the beginning, your explanation, your investment rationale for a partial allocation to precious metals is correct. Let's presume it is. It makes total sense, especially given the incredible amount of policy 
induced volatility in both, which is now a door which people thought only swung one way, but actually swings two ways, right? Clearly. Uh, why wouldn't I choose uh, another instrument? Meaning, you know, there are ETFs in the United States, GLD, SLV. There are futures markets where you can you have contracts, you know, very liquid. Why is it the physical holding in your mind, your opinion about why that would be the way you would allocate as opposed to using an ETF of GLD, for example? There's definitely a role for those as well. Um, I, I, I kind of split the market into, or our client, well, not our client bank, there's a market for gold into speculators and investors. Now, speculators have a much shorter term horizon. Uh, they very much care about the cost of ownership, the buy cost and sell cost or the spread, and the cost of actually maintaining a position. So they want that to, those to be as low as possible, and they give up a number of rights and uh, in order to have the convenience of getting into the market quickly and out quickly. So they're, they're trading technicals, levels, and they're looking at complex relationships to the market. They might see uh, you know, a dollar index uh, over undervaluation, and they want to buy metals to really kind of um, to increase their returns. So they should definitely look at um, uh, derivative contracts or whatever costs them the least amount of money and gives them the most amount of exposure given a particular trend that they're looking to take advantage of. Now, that's great. Um, but uh, if you're an investor and you're looking at gold as a kind of a systemic hedge, the actual physical form of that, of that investment is actually way more important than the costs. And that sounds a bit crazy, but in the, I think it was um, 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 Greenspan who said that gold in extremis, in extreme circumstances, is accepted by everybody, whereas other investments may not be. Now, I'm probably you know, destroying that quote, but that's generally what he said. So physical gold for delivery, immediate delivery, is going to command a premium. And so we see this actually all the time. So investors like to have physical gold that's in a vault, that's stored, and it's outside the financial system where they believe the systemic risk will come from. So it's a bit crazy to have a, a hedge and have that hedge inside the system that you're trying to hedge against. So that's the main <laughs> that, argument that for physical is gold. Excellent. It's, it's an excellent point. I, and, I, and I'm just out of curiosity. Yeah. And we've seen this on occasion under when financial markets are under great distress. Meaning, and if I just take GLD and I don't have a interest in GLD specifically, but it is just the most well-known of the ETFs for gold, clearly. Yeah. yeah. Do you have concerns about systematically, right? Because construction of an ETF is still ultimately based on, you know, order flow, right? The number of shares of GLD that exist. And then whether it's actually backed by the gold itself, we'll talk about futures separately in a in a moment. That mm -hmm. you know, at certain times of stress or somewhere under certain theories, that the amount of gold that actually is outstanding is either much more or much less than otherwise reported. Do, do these things keep Stephen up at night at all, or we should just blow them off and disregard? Uh, no, I definitely don't think you should blow them off uh, and disregard them. I think what you need to do is do your homework and look at the prospectus. And the prospectus, prospectuses are great. They actually have an awful lot of information in them. Uh, and they tell you pretty much what the risks are. And 
if you look at the prospectuses for a lot of ETFs, and I won't talk about specific specific ones, sure. but you'll find that the promoters and the operators of these structures are indemnified should anything go wrong, mm. which to me is quite informing, uh, informative. Right. Uh, that is to say that if the gold takes a walk or goes away or wasn't there or there was fraud or directors were you know fraudulently operating, um, there's no recourse back to them by the beneficiaries of the fund. Uh, and um, well, I think let me I'm just a, if, if I can interrupt just one. Yep. That, that's not to say that we're casting doubt on whoever the sponsors of the actual ETF are, right? The the straight no, the state streets is there. So, well, to the innocent listener, I, I just don't want to have that implication left out there. You understand my no, point, of course right? Not. But, it, <laughs> but it's, it's to professionals it's, like us, we understand that. To yeah. individual in investors they may not understand this distinction we're not this we're not disputing the accuracy or the fact that the contract writer is going to deliver on the contract as it is written right i, I think no, no, that- I'm, not, I'm, I'm not identifying any particular etf either i'm just saying generally sure. speaking if you look at prospectuses you got it uh, right. you will find that these indemnifications are in place and this right. is the terms by which people engage with these these products on yeah and if they're happy with the risk i'm happy for them there's no yep. problem there at all, um, but I'm just. But my point is, is that if you uh, again going back to the systemic hedge, if you're looking at this as a speculator, I think those risks are very, very low that mm-hmm. you're going to get caught out. I think you're probably going to be okay. But if you're, if you actually are, if you self-qualify yourself as an investor and you're looking to reduce systemic hedge risk, that is another Lehman Brothers style event, or a currency collapse, or a, a global debt crisis. You know what you need to look at is the second and third order uh, events that could happen and compromise whatever ETF or structure that your yeah. system hedge is placed in. So oh, I'm you, with you. You need to look at who the promoters are and how they hold it. And I would argue, uh, 9.9 out of 10, that you can't improve on having physical gold in a vault right. in Zurich outside no the bank system. I mean, like it's just to me, that's exactly where you need to be if you're looking to protect against those risks. No, that's fair. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to dispute what you're saying. I'm trying, trying to tease out to make clear, you know, what you and I are talking about, because lots of yeah. persons are very highly suspicious. They think that the writer of the actual contract of the ETF prospectus is doing something insidious, you know, above and beyond what is on there in print. They're not. It's just that the other stresses can create these situations. And like you point out, there's indemnification clauses in there to say, look, you know, under these types of situations, investors wearing these risks, whether you know it or not, even if low probability. That's all. That's yeah. all my point, right? If I switch to futures, and I know I realize we're getting deep in the weeds. I'm. This is probably a different line of questioning. You probably anticipated. In, you know, in oil markets, for example, there can be certain points in time, for example, where there's a futures market, obviously, and there's actual physical delivery. And then, you know, in the past, because crazily what happened during COVID, there were delivery problems, right? There are delivery and storage problems that mm-hmm. can occur in oil. Are there delivery problems on gold futures contracts? And Jay, Jay the nerd is asking, you know, for, for finance bugs. Is is First of all, I'm not sure what the settlement is of a gold futures contract. And then in addition to that, are there delivery or storage costs, et cetera, built into the delivery? And how does that work out? 
Well, I'm not an expert in the delivery side of futures, um, but they, but pretty much most of them settle for cash. So they cash okay. settle uh, okay. upon okay. expiration or approaching sure. expiration. So they neutralize and then they roll over to the next dated contract. Um, you do have the right to take physical delivery, uh, depending on how you purchased your your contract. Uh, and those 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 deliveries are made out of the 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 vaulted facility attached to the exchange. Now there have been issues in the past with delivery of gold contracts um, whereby when COVID hit, there was a dislocation in the global supply chain and uh, it was the, the exchanges had difficulty in uh, guaranteeing the supply of physical to settle contracts uh, because they couldn't move the gold to where it needed to be because they had a distributed uh, sure, ownership. No, so that's what I was asking, banks, exactly. Yeah, the bullion banks in London uh, needed to have the gold not in London but in 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 North America, and they couldn't get it over there through the airline system. So there was a, a suddenly there was a huge dislocation in the price. Um, but the 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 powers that be um, they they were able to change the rules in terms of what constituted delivery for formatted purposes. I see, and they're able to settle that problem. So there have been issues in the past. I'm not an expert in it, but um, pr- pretty much the futures market is is an interesting beast. Um, there are there are strong opinions that uh, again going back to you know printed money and uh, the markets and how true they are. Uh, right. There are special interests, or there's a belief that special interests can manipulate uh, key markets through the futures markets uh, by using massive leverage. So you could put five percent down and get a hundred percent exposure, right. um, and you can move these contracts at certain times in the day in certain markets uh, when there's you know lacks liquidity. And you can create a news event uh, and damage the fundamentals behind the market. And I would say the the jury's out, but is for some people. But I would think, for me personally, my opinion is that the gold market is uh, has a significant amount of bad actors in it who operate through various different ways. Uh, but ultimately, they can knock the price of gold down, even though the fundamentals are very strong and supportive. And they may do that because, for political reasons, if you have a a, a treasury secretary or a minister for finance. Uh, out in the open at a press uh, event saying everything is fine, there's no problem here, please move along, and suddenly the gold market jumps 10, 20%, that could make a liar out of them. So I think a lot of the, the, at the kind of the, at the very higher end of power, uh, they don't like to see the gold price make a, make a fool of the, the story, the, the rhetoric that they are um, they're delivering to the people. Here's a good place for a break, Stephen. We'll we'll be right back and we'll talk more about what you just said about the political machinations that exist. And again, it's the usefulness of precious metals in that context. So Stephen, back to kind of our general audience. Like, like I said, when you're an American like I am, born in the United States, dominated by news based in the United States. But the reality is, now a wake-up call about the goings-on as a result of Ukraine and Russia, the effect on energy. And maybe you could tell us, and I know you're not speaking for the entire continent, right? But overrated, underrated, properly rated the energy crisis in Europe, as as you can see, as depicted and being delivered to us. Right. Um, I think it's it's brand new territory 
for the world. We've never seen something happen so quickly like this in such a way. I mean, the world is an integrated uh, economy. I mean, we have globalization. And if you look around wherever you're listening to this podcast, in the car, in your office, whatever it is, you know, the objects around you have been sourced from a hundred different countries, component, you know, the components, the skill sets. Um, and we get great, great benefits from that. We get cheaper product, better quality, you know, you know, better fit. Um, but the, 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 the counterpoint is that we have greater dependencies on these places to provide the components. Right. So now you're seeing a situation for the first time where like you can't buy that car or the car this year is le- has less features than the car three years ago because the chips aren't there and we don't have the expertise. And now we have a concept called nearshoring coming in. So uh, the US are bringing forward, Yellen is, uh, where you source things only from those politically friendly nations uh, to you and your home markets. That creates inflation because those things cost more than they would elsewhere. So we have inflation being baked into the, to our economies going forward. People are going to have to spend more money. Now, the energy is something we've been cheap. We've been taking advantage of cheap energy for so long. And the Germans have been taking advantage of super cheap energy. Uh, right. And also the, the, the other side of it, they have a much cheaper currency by which to sell their uh, heavy engineered products and specialist products all around the world. And they've benefited massively from this. So the euro is a much cheaper currency to, to export with than the Deutschmark would have been. And they're the mm, engine of, right, of Europe. Right, right. And people don't realize that they have the, the, the German economy has just done so well. But yeah. the, the, the European economy is massive. It's like, I, I think I, I, I was surprised, actually, I didn't realize this. I'm embarrassed to say there's about 700 million people in the European economy. And Which is basically all, double and a half of the United States for people who don't hear it. Keeping, yeah, right. it ain't small. Yeah. It ain't small. Right. Okay, right. it's big, it's advanced, and it's deep cultural um, value to it. It's just an amazingly fabulous place. Uh, uh, can I just say, and I don't mean to, to be rude here, but, You're but not. I, I lived in America for many, many years. And there is an, it's night and day between an American citizen who has traveled in the world and one who has not or who one sees the world as being represented through their television screen or social media. It is not representative of what's out there. Travel, get out there, go to Europe for a few weeks and go through the cities and just drink it in because it's fabulous. Ireland is the best place of all, of course. Um, but, <laughs> right. but no, but like, you know, experience it. But when you when you ask me about the energy crisis, it's, it's um, I think it's very real. It's huge. And I think it talks about globalization and it's a lesson for the rest of the world as well energy has been weaponized. Uh, it has always been weaponized, but it was always used by the Americans, at least, as a, as a kind of a soft to- a power tool, uh, mm. you know, that you will give you access to the energy markets, the oil markets, and, you know, and our banking system and our insurance will follow. And, you know, it was a way of kind of uh, building empire softly uh, through economic power. But now it's been used in, in a military comp- uh, context and uh, everyone, no one's equipped for, for this. So uh, we're now figuring out what to do. I think it'll bring resilience, uh, a little bit of resilience into us. It'll wake us up in many different respects. I think the, the lessons from energy in Europe, what's happening, will manifest now in manufacturing. It will manifest, manifest in insurance, risk mitigation, financial products. Uh, this this uh, counterparty risk argument is now very much at the fore. And, and sovereigns are now joined the counterparty risk argument too. You can't necessarily trust your your um, your, so, your 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 sovereigns that you work with. I think um, this... it was De Gaulle. De Gaulle said, you know, uh, countries they don't have friends; they just have interests. Uh, yes. And this is so true, you know. And I think that's what's happening now in Europe. 
you touched on something pretty that I wanted to go and discuss as well. So to your person in the United States, we see, you know, cars, for example, we have Toyota, Honda, Hyundai, Ford, General Motors, Volkswagen, let's just say, and there are more European manufacturers. And the Euro this year, a problem. I mean, a real problem, right? I mean, we went from 120 down to below par in short, very, very short order. Can you talk about the stress this is creating in Europe for general people, for everyday people? Um, well, it's interesting. It hasn't created the panic that people would maybe have expected. Really? Or they're going into the winter. Where, yeah, it's not quite there. It's it's hmm. there. Um, what's happening now is is that the um, the 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 tool du jour, uh, the favorite weapon of money printing, is being rolled out, and governments around the world are using debt to soften the blow of higher energy prices by capping the price that consumers will be exposed to. Now, it's an extraordinarily dangerous, dangerous thing to do. Combination. Uh, yeah. Yeah. On so many levels, because they are, they're, they're, um, I, I, I mean, I, it's so many ways I can explain it. Basically, they're, they're giving up the future cash flows of the state in order to protect the energy needs of the people short term. And by doing so, they are perpetuating a cycle of, of, of kind of fiscal destruction. Um, and they're passing the buck to the next generation uh, at an unbelievable rate. They also then bring in, they open the door to more extreme political actors to continue this policy and promise again everything to everybody, which is what you're seeing in the UK. Um, and ultimately, we all pay this, the, pay the price. This is an attack on capitalism. It's an attack on, 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 on capital creation. Um, it's, yeah, yes, it's that's true, terrible. but aren't there limits, right? I mean, there are limits in the sense that Right, you can't keep keep doing that forever, or not even necessarily to to too far an extreme, because then your currency then it gets reflected in the value of your currency. No, no, it does. See what I'm saying? I mean, in other words, right the yeah. the British economy learned quickly what the what, what the jury was when on the, on the newest uh, fiscal stimulus from the new prime prime minister and nailed the. The pound it's since recovered, right? But the first reaction was to immediately sell that currency. Wouldn't the same thing happen around the world as the if these extreme situations, like you say, play themselves out? Oh, they will do. I mean, in my in my opinion, all currencies will eventually go to zero. Um, that is the the ultimate price level of currencies because they're being debased, they're being printed, and it's not so much. Uh, the price of things are going up. The stock market isn't going up as much as the currency is going down. That's a big part of it. Um, so uh, we have we have competitive currency debasement right across all currencies. That's why. Do you think gold, that's intentional? No, I think I don't. I think it was intentional by the U.S. Um, when they brought in QE and they did it for very kind of myopic reasons toward to protect their own base. But what they did was they created this knock-on effect elsewhere in the world where other currencies had to be de um, debased the same rate in order to protect but that, that's the- that's currency war, right? You're, what you've described is basically um, subtle but intentional currency war, is it not? Well, it is, yeah. If, if you don't do it, then your, your exports become ridiculously expensive relative right. to the, the largest market in the world. And all your other competitors are going to do it versus 
the US. So they all have to do it together uh, at different rates, albeit. Um, but it happens. But, but ultimately what happens is, is our, our unit of measure, our means of exchange gets debased. And that means that you're getting taxed again. So if you work hard and you pay, you get paid and you pay your taxes and you put into a savings account, those savings get debased. Uh, the rule of 72. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard the rule of 72. It's, it's, it's quite popular with, uh, in financial circles. Basically, you divide the inflation rate into the number 72, and that's the number of years you have before your, your, your money halves in value. So at a 10% inflation rate, your money will have in value in exactly seven years. This is crazy. You spent your whole life you know, creating these savings, and then they get taken away by, by virtue of money printing. I don't blame... The uh, Ukrainian crisis, I don't think, sorry, the inflation monster that we are dealing with today is not purely as a result of war in Ukraine. That was the trigger that, in, that affected uh, the, the actual crisis. It had started 10 years previous when they started the process of printing $20 trillion of currency, and it did not I'd say even down. before that. I mean, and, and what you're well, saying uh, exactly dovetails, I mean, which is that, you know, that Ukraine as tragic at a, on a human level, just kind of like the catalyst to kind of hit the gas, no pun intended, right? But to really be the catalyst to the process as you've just described. So back to your goals. So in that in that construct with that backdrop, and here's where I, where I wanted to, you know, start this line of questioning and, you know, this discussion with you, which is this should be right up your alley and gold cores alley, right? Because what you've described should have played out. And maybe you can tell the audience who is not necessarily aware, right? Because this has played out for persons who are denominated in Euro straight into exactly what you've been recommending. Oh yeah. I mean, it's insane. I mean, I would think it was since 2007, you know, uh, the last what 15 years, if you look at currencies across the world, now, this is incredible. The on, on average, all currencies have appreciated in gold terms by between seven and eight percent. So gold has appreciated on average seven to eight percent every year since 2007, um, which is absolutely incredible. Now, I'd argue that it hasn't gone up. Those currencies have gone down by that amount. This year right. alone, so far, uh, the euro uh, gold is up nine point. Sorry, no, it's up eight point two percent. In euro terms, right. Um, and the dollar it stands six percent. So dollar dollar owners of gold are feeling a little bit of pain. The dollar has actually strengthened relative to every other currency in the world. It's doing so be because money is flowing into the dollar for as a sure. safe haven. Sure. So um, typically, and this is just my opinion, uh, when you have safe haven demand coming in, it goes into the most liquid item first, of which you can think you can readily get your hands on. Dollars are yeah. easy to buy. So money flows in there. It leaves emerging market debt markets. Uh, and those countries then suddenly have a financial crisis on their hand. They can't finance their operations. The money leaves those places who need it the most, goes into the dollar, into the dollar treasury market who don't need it. Um, and as a result, the dollar gets uh, becomes very, very strong relative to those currencies. Um, so what do you then see after is if, if it becomes a structural uh, what we call risk off. People go, you know what? I'm going to sit the sidelines here for the next three or four years and go on holiday, uh, go away in May and come back again in five years time, not May. next year. Right. Or the end of the summer. Right. Um, uh, um, they're going to, they're going to start shifting into things like gold away from the dollar, away from the yen and other places like that. 
uh, or gold will be part of that portfolio. Um, and I think gold will appreciate markedly. No guarantees. I can't tell you that's going to happen. I don't know for sure. It's just an opinion. Uh, sure. But I do think that, you know, in our own business, and we're a small microcosm, sure. um, you know, we've been around for 18 years. We've got customers all over the world. We manage around 300 million in assets at the moment. Um, we're seeing uh, extraordinary increases in demand for uh, for precious metals accounts. They're up quite a lot, you know, 30, 40% uh, year on year. And um, um, But the gold price is very cheap still, uh, which is great. Um, but when we started this business 18 years ago, the gold, I think, was at, when we started, it was at $350 an ounce. It's at $1,700 today. Um, but, you know, in British pounds, in euros, in Aussie dollars, gold is at or near all-time highs. Um, uh, and it's doing so because it's doing, it's doing exactly what it should do. If you're domiciled in the U.S., you you live in the United States. Any possible, you know, and I'm not. And again, as all of our conversation, I need to swerve and say this right. Today's not investment advice or financial advice investment of any advice. sort, right? I mean, this is just two two people talking about, you know, the dynamics that are going around the world, but. I've seen on your website, for example, a U.S. investor can actually open an IRA with you in in their with yep. their qualified funds. Yeah, can is one of those? Can they switch into euro and then and then purchase the gold in euro terms? Meaning that maybe they think this reverses. I, I just don't know. I'm just more perversely curious. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. You have to your your home currency is your home currency, and that's what you you record P and L in. I wouldn't advise anyone to go from dollars into euros and euros into gold because they're just going to pay a kind of a, a carry cost, a conversion, uh, I gotcha. and it 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 probably wouldn't wouldn't be a good idea. But um, uh, I would think that for U.S. investors, um, the idea of owning physical metals, if you haven't done so before, do so. Um, if I could plug shamelessly plug. Uh, a guide we have um it's sure. not commercially orientated but again over those 18 years we've seen an awful lot and we watch our competitors and we watch what they do and there's a lot of people out there you shouldn't buy gold off uh essentially uh, uh i think anybody who's advertising on television you know or or anything of those expensive mediums probably be you should be very wary of uh i'm not saying they're all bad but just be careful um, right. because there's enough there can be sometimes they sell you very expensive versions of gold um, where there's a lot of other really good dealers out there um, that you should probably look up. Uh, but in, in, in our case, uh, we give you that we try to get the lowest possible premium product. A premium is the price you pay over the spot price of gold. I got you. Um, and yep. that, that takes into account the format, the complexity of what you're buying. So buying kilo bars is one of the cheapest ways of owning gold. Storing it in Zurich or one of those places is one of the best places to store it. With your IRA, it'll be stored in the U United States itself. It has to be stored domestically, Interesting. Uh, we, and we do that as well. We also have two offices actually in this in the U.S. We have one in California and one in Florida, okay. uh, and we uh, we just opened up recently, and we have um, staff members over there too. But when you buy from Goldcore, you're buying off Goldcore Ireland. We're actually doing the transaction with you. We have dollar accounts in the U.S., so you can settle with us very very right. quickly. Settle yeah. right. So I. I'm pretty sure I know what the answer is, but I'll let you have your shot at it. So, okay. you know, your your rationale about, you know, country versus country, and not to say that it's war, but the, the fact of sovereignty and the fact that the currencies, you know, are devaluing, you know, th this same rationale exists when 
someone talks about Bitcoin, right? Okay. So how would you contrast as, uh, you know, even-handedly, uh, I, I'm sure you're going to start with a bias, right? I'm gonna, you know, which is fine. Entirely we fine. All have biases. We all have <laughs> right. Biases. There you go. Uh, you know, I think the Michigan Wolverine should win every week, and so should the Dallas Cowboys. But anyway, that doesn't happen. <laughs> Buffalo Bills <laughs> all day long. <laughs> okay, I was born in Buffalo. That's a fact that I'm I used to Buffalo. Don't, uh... <laughs> anyway, go Buffalo. The uh, you know you could make the same rationale. You you've heard that same rationale, similar mm-hmm. rationale, which is you know countries debasing can't trust the governments they're pushing. They've got debt debt explosions, etc. You know, printing press. Contrast that for from your perspective with crypto. Yeah, I mean, like I I think uh, it's fascinating the the Bitcoin brigade. Um, they have. Um, you know, Bitcoin itself is is a response to the same anxieties that that have irked people who buy gold for many many years. They are wishing to protect themselves from currency debasement. Ninety five percent of the people on your street, in your company, in your neighborhood, don't have a clue what's happening to the currency. They don't understand that money printing is rife. People who own Bitcoin, people who own gold, do. Now, where they differ is um, Bitcoin is kind of is is a currency uh, which is used for transactions. But the technology has become antiquated very, very quickly, and they're 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 desperately trying to improve it and improve how fast it operates uh, with new tech, new upgrades and whatnot. Whether it's successful, I don't know. I do think that there's an awful lot of people in that community who actually look at it as a marketing opportunity and they pump it up for all sorts of emotional reasons. Uh, and and I think you have to be very, very careful about those those people. Uh, I don't I don't think my personal belief is. I don't think Bitcoin will ever become a currency in popular um, popular use because uh, currency is political and right. It, right. political uh, is, is politics is power and right. those in power will never allow something to usurp them and their power base. So they'll kill it. They'll associate it with pedophiles and terrorists and Russia and Putin and everybody else they can uh, as as something to be avoided at all costs. And uh, and so they will. Kill. I think they already started. I see headlines. I'm waiting for these headlines to come in. And I saw that they were associating with the Russian uh, armed forces there recently. And it's and you know, buy Bitcoin and you're part of this and it funds that and they're bad. So you're bad. Um, so I do think that uh, central bank digital currencies will come in and they will take over the space inhabited by crypto today. Crypto mm. is a technology experiment. Fascinating. Love it. I think it's amazing what they've done. Uh, I think blockchain is the real story behind that, yeah. and that will change no the world. No question. It's a one right. in a thousand year technology, and I think it's just right. brilliant. And I think uh, I think it'll bring so much utility and uh, and uh, save so much waste. Uh, it'll be great. I think it's going to change humanity. I, I was I was playing golf what was a month ago, and and the people I was playing with, you know, they were not financial persons, but I just said rhetorically, I'm like, I have no idea. Why these title, you know, people firms exist, given the fact that we can have this thing stamped with blockchain and it's a hundred percent authentic, a hundred percent traceable. Why why do these middle people exist? And I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure I made some enemies just in the last 30 seconds, but literally well, it's the same ETF. It's 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 yeah. it's ease. Uh, right. You know, these are these are regulated entities. You can buy them on your phone in two and a half seconds. Right. What are you really buying at the end of the day? Do you actually own what they sell? Uh, I don't know. It's it's you know, and do you own it in all conditions? I don't know. 
um, it's a proxy. I call these things proxy. There's proxy of gold and it's probably proxy Bitcoin. Uh, it's just simple. They go through the regulatory channel and it makes it easy to get to as many retail investors as possible. No, what I'm saying, maybe maybe I, was, I wasn't clear. Let's say I, I sold you a, p- a plot of land. Yeah. And now you, you own the title to the land. We've got to go to a third party who's going to certify this title right yeah. now, right? Yeah, yeah. What, why can't this be simply transferred via blockchain technology? Well, yeah, this is a great question. And, and, I, and, um, and I apologize for confusing my, my response there. But basically, you know, if you look at the way we organize ourselves as human beings, we use technology that's based on ancient protocols from the time of Babylon. <laughs> that, that's characters on a page. <laughs> that's my point. Yeah, it's, so, and, we, and, we, and we don't, and your page with your characters on your page, I don't trust it. So we have to find a third party to help us. We need a, a, a trusted middleman. And that's a bank, that's a tax advisor, that's an accountant, that's a regulator. And these people are there to build trust between you and me and other people because we don't trust each other. And we spend so much time you know, securing the security around ownership. So blockchain is mathematically rigorous and therefore we can rely on it to prove that you have the money and I have the land and that's right. all we need. And so um, that's what it's going to do. It's going to have a massive deflationary effect, change the professions all the way through. I would think but so. But it's also going, it's going to, it's going to uh, unleash so much uh, excess human capital uh, on right. problems that really matter. And I, I'm, I'm a big believer in climate change. As a lot of people aren't, but I am. And I think that's what we need to be focusing our attention on. And we need to create amazing energy systems and infrastructure to help us grow and, uh, and flourish. So, yeah. Well, Stephen, I think here's a very good breaking point. It's been great to talk with you and hopefully you'll join us again, be a regular guest. We can have these conversations, you know, on a frequent basis. I'd love that. I'd love that too, Jay. And also I'd love to have this, uh, this uh, broadcast on the Gold Court channel too. And, uh, and we're going to put your show notes into, into that video. Uh, so um, uh, for, for me, anyway, if anyone's find out more, it's goldcore.com. Absolutely. And that website, there's a special website we have for that guide I spoke about earlier. So if you're interested in gold, you've never looked at it before, you don't know anything, there's a guide we have. And we have a special website called goldintheusa.com. You just go in there and you can download goldintheusa.com. And if you want to open an account, it's goldcore.com. And your show notes are your, your where people find more about you and what you do. What we'll do after the call, we'll be sharing all of those links, details, et cetera, so that everyone from both of our audiences can share the information in our conversation today. Super. Brilliant. All right, Stephen. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me on Jay's Corner. Thank you so much, Jay. I really enjoyed it. Thank you.